This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. Welcome to the program with a unique focus on helping Canadians avoid probate. The one thing everyone should know about probate is that it's not inevitable. With some planning and good advice, you can avoid the exhausting, expensive and time-consuming probate process and have your affairs settled quickly and privately. Speaking of good advice, here are your hosts of Avoid Probate. Good morning, Zoomer listeners. Welcome to the Avoid Probate Show. I'm Jason Laidler, here with the world-famous Ted Wallison. Glad you're joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. Good morning, Ted. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. Had a bit of a little rest recently, so... Yes, you did. Got caught up. Well, I got caught up on rest, but now i got to get caught up on work. You went away. I did. You went to Costa Rica. Yeah. I was going to say, should we tell the listeners? Why I guess not? too late now, right? Well, you were at a convention, so... I mean, it's... That's, <laughs> that's right. It was work, work, work. <laughs> and a little bit of a sunburn. Yeah. Work, five minutes, work, five minutes. Beautiful, work, beautiful, minutes. beautiful place, man. Uh, highly recommend it. Been there before, and I will be there again for sure. Actually, mm. they're in the men's group for uh, the Canadian National Men's Soccer Team. So they will be playing in Costa Rica on March 24th. Losing to Canada. World Cup qualifying action, and they are undefeated. I think Canada will already have clinched by then. I'm not sure if they can clinch by then. I, 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 think, they, I think they may have. I think they, I think they may have to win one more. You're saying the game could be meaningless? Mm-hmm. I was thinking of going to watch. You want to go watch? Mm-mm. No? All right. We've got a big show today, of course. Lots mm-hmm. of uh, fun stuff, and I'm so excited. I mentioned last week that we were hoping to have a guest in studio this week. And I uh, didn't want to say for sure because it, was, it wasn't a for sure last week, but it's a for sure now. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we get back from the break. But I am very excited about our special guests in the studio today. But before we get to that, Ted, did you know that today is National Muffin Day? I did not know that. Do you like muffins, Ted? Yeah, I do like muffins. Uh, who doesn't like a muffin? Well, you know, the interesting thing is people tend to, uh, to think that muffins are, are healthy foods, right? I Which, guess they could be. It depends on what's inside can, of it, They right? can be, but in many cases, what people put in them, put on them, and make them with makes them not healthy. Not so healthy? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like, just like a mini cake, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. With icing and sugar and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, I think it's been a long time since I had a muffin, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I was at a wedding a couple of years ago, and they were, instead of wedding cake, they were handing out muffins. Uh, I've seen those displays. I've seen that, actually. I yeah. think that's a good idea. I guess you could get different varieties and you stack them up and make them all look pretty and then people can just, you know, yeah. pick and choose. I guess, yeah. That was back when we used to have weddings, right? Pre-COVID. Yes, <laughs> yes. I don't think there's a lot of weddings happening in the last two years. I had a wedding. Well, weddings, but not... I had a nephew who got married not, in December. Not celebrations, though. Yeah, just a limited amount of people. Yeah. It? I think they were maxed out of, Back at that time in December, I think it was a maximum 100 people in the room. That's a lot of people at a wedding. I guess it is now. Not when I was getting married, it wasn't. Really? No. I know Italian weddings can be larger, and Indian weddings can be larger. Yeah, and Ukrainian weddings used to be. Yeah. Um, not anymore, I don't think. Hmm. Very expensive. 
Yeah. Well, I went to a, a friend's wedding, his sister's wedding. I think they had 700 people. Oh, come on. Yeah. In one building? I went to an Italian stag and there was 1,100 people. In Ontario? Yeah. Holy. They auctioned off a brand new BMW. Did you win it? Nope. <laughs> you didn't have the winning bid? Nope. It was okay. actually a raffle. It wasn't even an auction. Okay. So uh, we actually talked about farmer's markets uh, once upon a time here on the Avoid Probate Show. It is the Avoid Probate Show. We're glad you're listening here on this Sunday morning. Today is February 20th, and I just was doing some preparation for the show, and I discovered that there's a, far- a new farmer's market at the Steam Whistle uh, Roundhouse mm-hmm. on Sundays. And this is, I think they just started, I think last Sunday was their first day Post lockdown being lifted, so I guess today is only their second week. No, I actually reached out to them because I've been to the Roundhouse. Have you been to the Roundhouse, Ted? You've had the no, tour. I actually never have. No, that's, well, you know what I'm talking about. I know right? exactly what you're talking about. Right behind um, Rogers Center, base of the CN Tower. There, mm. it's pretty neat. And I've done the Steam Whistle tour. In fact, it's the one and only place where I've actually seen a real steam whistle. I didn't really that it works like you know, a la the Flintstones kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> anyway, so I reached out to um, the people at the farmer's market, that's what I was trying to say, and I got a nice re- response from somebody there who's managing it. She, she says, I've managed I've managed many markets for over a decade, and I visit all the farms and kitchens to make sure people really are making and doing things the way they say they are. She's glad that I like the markets. She says they're very important. It's a very important step in reclaiming sanity in food systems. Thought that was an interesting choice of words. Sanity and food systems. I kind of agree. Uh, they've got a new beef and pork supplier, which she's excited about. And she was just saying that they, with the help of the mag- magnificent people at Steam Whistle, were able to offer a market that is fully committed to COVID-safe protocols. We also work with the Railway Museum to find ways to build a better experience for everyone who comes to the park. So there, if you're looking for something to do today, and you need to stock up on some fresh produce or... Whatever. It's the Roundhouse Steam Whistle Farmer's Market. <laughs> Before we get to the break, I just got to mention this as well. It is Love Your Pet Day as well, which I think is kind of silly because isn't every day Love Your Pet well, Day? Yeah, it should be. Why, yeah. why would you have a pet if you didn't love it every day, right? Yeah. My pet gave me, my cat gave me just the dirtiest look today. Because? Well, because he wanted to go outside because he hasn't been able to go outside because it's been too bloody cold. So I was letting him out and uh, I let him back in and then he wanted to go back out. And I said, no, I can't. I, can't, I won't be home, you know. Oh, I see what you mean. So late. So. I have to play that game with my dogs. They want in, they want out, they want in, they want out. Yeah. So that's fun. Well, I don't want to come home and see, uh, you know, <laughs> frozen, frozen ball of fur sitting in my patio. You don't, you don't want to see that? No, no, no. I guess I don't blame you for that. Okay, let's uh, take our quick break here and uh, let the listeners top up the tea and coffee. When we get back, we're going to introduce our special guest, and we're going to jump into some good stuff all about avoiding probate, etc. We'll be right back. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. Good afternoon, friends. We are gathered here to remember... Insert your name. And we're heartbroken because... Insert your name. ...did not avoid probate. So the loved ones of... Insert your name. ...have to wait a long time for what rightfully is theirs. I see I've made you cry. Recent changes in law make probate slower, more complicated, and more expensive. Don't make it harder for your loved ones. Avoid probate.ca. 
This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back. You're listening to the Avoid Probate Show. I'm Ted Walshin, along with Jason Laidler from Avoid Probate. You can contact Jason during the week. Email info at avoidprobate.ca or toll-free 1-844-667-7628. And don't forget, you can go on to the Avoid Probate website, avoidprobate.ca. There's a free probate calculator. You can play with that, get an idea of how much probate might be payable on your estate, and you can check out some of our past episodes as well. Please, let's punch We Are This Day to welcome a special guest into the program. He is the head of tax retirement and estate planning for manual life investment management in Canada, John Natalie. Welcome to the program, John. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a very impressive title. What does it mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, good question. So uh, I lead a team of accountants and lawyers, uh, a head office team and a regional team, uh, where we support financial advisors who help support clients in terms of their estate planning and their investment, try and make it more tax efficient, try and make sure their assets go to the individuals that they want it to go in the most cost-effective and tax-effective way. So, uh, you know, kind of a, a great feed or link with uh, with this program. Yeah. Welcome to the show, John. I'm glad you're here. And Natale, right? Natale. Perfect. Natale. I don't speak any Italian, by the way, but uh, life is kind of a big deal, right, in the industry, in Canada. Um, not sure if they're the biggest. They might be the second biggest. I can't remember. For seg fund assets under management, we're actually the biggest. The biggest for segment. Okay, so that's interesting. You know, we talk all the time here on the show about being independent advisors, but inevitably, you know, we get the question a lot. Well, which insurance company do you work for? And I'll say I don't work for any of them really, but I work <laughs> with several, including Manulife. And I think I've, I told you before we got on the radio, I've, I've got uh, accounts at. Manulife, and I've had them there for a long, long time because I've been doing this for a long, long time. So what I was getting at is, you know, you must be a busy guy. You're you're in charge for the the country's estate planning stuff, and you're dealing with advisors from coast to coast to coast, right? Absolutely, very busy. Last year was just a was just a crazy year, um, but a crazy good year. I think you know, with COVID, it's, it's definitely impacted people's lives in many ways, <clears throat> in many negative ways. But one thing that we've seen is that there's been a heightened interest in estate planning. Good. That's because of the Avoid Probate Show, by the way. Absolutely. In case you're wondering, yeah. <laughs> so that's something we're talking about every week here. We're going to dive in a little bit into some detail about you know what, what the Manulife solution looks like, hopefully. Regular listeners will have heard us say many, many, many times the solution usually requires a transfer of assets from the bank over to an insurance company because the rules are different, and now we can put a beneficiary on the non-registered account. Right? That's absolutely right. It's almost an oversimplification, but that's really what it boils down to. And I've also said before, you know, smart people say to me, how come I've never heard this before? And I've, I've said, the bank's not going to tell you to move your money. It's the best kept secret in the country. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, in addition to that comment, I often get, this sounds too good to be true. Yep. 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 And I also get, is it legal? <laughs> it, it is legal, right, John? Absolutely. Okay. Well, tell us, I mean, you know, put your Manulife hat on and let's talk about Manulife and what the offerings are and what's unique about the, the offerings at Manulife and, and why. Like why? I mean, I want the listeners to hear it from you as to why this is a good planning strategy. 
Yeah, I uh, know for sure. Thank you, Jason. So I think surrogate funds, and um, we talk about surrogate funds, but another non-registered offering is something we call a GIA, which is basically an insurance company GIC. But it has all the same features and benefits that a surrogate fund does in, in that it allows a beneficiary designation to be named on a non-registered contract. And really the power and the value in that is that when the individual passes away, their assets go directly to their beneficiary. They flow outside of the estate. They avoid the estate and all of the disadvantages that come with that. And there are many significant disadvantages that come with that. And because it's an insurance contract, there are a lot of other benefits or features that come with it as well, too. Uh, for example, the uh, potential for creditor protection. Mm-hmm. There's contract setup features that allow us a lot of flexibility in terms of doing things if you want to get a little bit more complicated in terms of who you want the assets to go to. For example, we have something called the annuity settlement option. Uh, some people call it the gradual inheritance transfer, where it allows the death benefit to be paid in the form of an annuity or an installment payments instead of a lump sum, mm-hmm. if for whatever reason you don't want your child or your beneficiary to get that lump sum. Uh, I'm just kind of giving you a bit of a teaser, but there's just there's just so many options and flexibility with these contracts. And, and by avoiding your estate, uh, you avoid probate fees. Ontario has the second highest probate fees in the country. Um, you avoid the delays that come with that. You avoid privacy issues. Oh, yes. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff, we, and we can get into that if you want, but um, that's kind of my high-level overview. Well, you explain to me, um, how do you avoid privacy issues, and what are those issues exactly, and who are you keeping them private from? Yeah, so great question, Ted. So anything that goes through your estate, you know, you're going to generally be dealt with under your will. Mm-hmm. And if your will is submitted for probate, it becomes a matter of public record. Right. So people might ask, what is probate? And the way I explained is probate is the process whereby the courts confirm the validity of your will and the, and the, and the authority of your executors. So people could have actually multiple wills. Like you might have done a will 10 years ago and then updated five years ago and did another will, and then maybe last month you did another will. So you actually have three wills out there. So after you pass away, financial institutions or other interested parties, how do they know which will is the last will of Ted? So what happens is uh, you submit the will, your, your executor submits the will to the court, the court confirms that's your last will and testament, and gives its seal of approval. And in order for the court to do that, they charge a fee, the probate fees, of approximately 1.5%. Right? So now you've charged that fee of 1.5%, but because your will is being sub, uh, submitted for probate, it becomes a matter of public record. It's a court document. Anybody can go down to the courthouse and get a copy of your will. For example, I have a copy of Rob Ford's will. And for the older listeners out there, hmm. I have a copy of Harold Ballard's will. The young folks are like, who's Harold Ballard? <laughs> but I have Harold Ballard's will as well, too. So with Rob Ford, for example... Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, it was to make the point. I used to show people and say, this is how easy it is. It's a nominal fee. I know, for example, for Rob Ford, I know who his executor is. We all know it's Doug Ford. I know who his beneficiaries are under the will and how his estate is to be distributed. I actually even know personal information with respect to uh, his wife and his kids, which is kind of, it's kind of scary how much public information out there. So people don't want that, public, that information to be out there in the public sphere. Yeah. And so by avoiding probate and having a beneficiary designation on, for example, like a surrogate fund, those assets are not listed in the probate application. Those assets go directly to the beneficiary, and you can keep an element of privacy with respect to those funds. Uh-huh. Harold Ballard. So then then why didn't Rob Ford and why didn't Harold Ballard ensure that their information would be kept private? Good question. That's the million-dollar question, absolutely. Bad lawyers. Uh, Bad lawyers, potentially. Bad advisors. Well, not just that. I mean, I'm going to get in trouble when I say this, but I I occasionally remind the listeners, 
lawyers make their living probating estates. So is there a built-in uh, conflict of interest? Maybe you could suggest that there is, because if the lawyer tells you all the secrets and all the ways to avoid the probate process, then he's kind of shooting himself in the foot in terms of future income, right? Right. Not casting any Okay, so how do you so then, then how do you circumvent this, this, this problem, this concern? Well, and it's, it's doing the things that you guys talk about all the time. It, where possible, where it makes sense. Not necessarily for every asset, but where it makes sense. Insurance investments like a segregated fund uh, can help. And, and with those contracts, again, you can name a beneficiary, so you have less assets going through your estate. The only person who's going to know about those assets are the beneficiary and the executor is going to get a tax slip at the, at the, uh, when you pass away as well too. So the general public is not going to be aware of what happens to your assets or how much money you had invested in a segregated fund or who it goes to and those kind of things. Of course, the advisor knows too, but he's sworn oh. to secrecy and you know bound by confidentiality rules. Of, right. We've talked about that. I'll just jump back real quick yeah. here because I want to be, be the devil's advocate kind of. When, when you're talking about the probate process, and I understand what you're saying and, and we've shared that story, but... Uh, my question is this, maybe you have an inside scoop on it. Um, when the application is submitted to the court for approval and you're talking about them declaring that this is the last will that we're going to recognize and we're going to go with it, do they really do any due diligence? I mean, is there, is there, do they check anything or do they just say because this is the one that was submitted and no other one was submitted? So, yeah, okay, we'll go with it. Yeah, I, I believe, Jason, good question. I believe there's an opportunity for people to challenge uh, and bring other wills. So if you have another will, right. or someone finds in a will, you have an opportunity, there's a window of time for you to bring that and present it to the court. But sure, the possibility does exist that someone finds uh, another will afterwards that might have been a more recent will, and then that might probably result in litigation. The reason why um, you need probate is if a financial institution has assets of the deceased, how do they know who the executor is? So right. using right. Ted's example, right. Ted's will might name you as the executor in his last will. But in his second last will, let's say he named me as executor. So the financial institution is like, well, who do I give Ted's money to? Who do I know who could administer that money? So at least from a financial institution's perspective, if the court has said this is the last will, even mm-hmm. though it might not be, right. but the court has given its seal of approval, that financial institution is, is protected. Right. And, and that's, that's all they care about, really. Yeah, it's, it's mainly the banks covering their backsides. Of course. And I, and I understand that. Because yeah. they have been, they've gotten themselves in trouble. 100%. They've, they've learned the hard way, yep. uh, some expensive lessons, and this is so. This is where we are. Do you think that, uh, is the day coming, you know, when seg funds are, like, common? Like, are we, are we winning the battle out there in the financial industry? I mean, it, we've got to be gaining ground. I sure hope so. <laughs> Listen, you know, we, we've been pounding the pavement for uh, quite a while. We had, we had, I've never been so busy, to your point, even speaking, like, this year, you know, with COVID, we've been doing virtual events. Yeah. Huge numbers. I think the message is really getting out there. Like like I said, our sales were through the roof, but the industry sales of segregated funds yeah. were through the roof. And I think knowledge and information, I think demographics, I think we're going through, you've seen a lot of articles in the paper, the largest wealth transfer Canada's yeah. ever experienced. Yeah. So I think there's a, a kind of a perfect storm for it. I think you're right. Um, I just am still surprised at you know how little promo I see. I mean, like Man United's got some deep pockets, but... I, you open up the the Saturday Star and there's full page ads for banks all over the place. You don't you don't see anything. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm not, and I'm looking. I'm actually looking for it, and I can't see it. You know, the average person who's not looking for it can't be seeing it either. 
Yeah, I know. I think your observations are right. Uh, don't quote me on this because I'm not the industry expert, but I think the seg fund market is about one-tenth the mutual fund size market in yeah. Canada. Yeah, um, I believe that. Yeah, so, yeah, no, listen. But but that's isn't that because the mutual fund side got a head start? For sure, and, yeah. and more money in marketing and those kind of things too. So, listen, I'm all with you. I'm, I'm all trying to get us to catch up. Hopefully, we'll be the tortoise in, in the tortoise and hare race and, <laughs> okay. and, and, and catch up. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, I, I agree. All right, so... We're going to explore things in a little bit more detail, but uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. My name is Marilyn, and I avoided probate. Our story begins when Marilyn paid a visit to her mom's bank. She noticed something odd. She had 100% of her money tied up in GICs, making 1%. It wasn't enough to sustain her. She was dipping into her capital big time. Marilyn wanted to disperse the money for her mom's needs as she ages. She had acquired power of attorney. No, you can't do anything with her accounts. They're in her name. And that was that. I was overwhelmed by everything. I didn't know what to do. That's when Jason from avoidprobate.ca stepped in. There was a sense of urgency because Marilyn's mother is no spring chicken. This process takes time. And I didn't know how much time we had. He walked me through what I should do when I went to the bank, what I should say to them. Not only that, Jason went with Marilyn to the bank. They weren't happy that I was sitting across the table from them in the office and they knew that we were trying to move this money. But I knew that we had a right to do that and that it was the right thing to do. Persistence paid off and we got the transfer done in time. So many seniors have these GICs at the bank. They will be probated. They will be frozen. They're paying next to nothing. And they're locked in with maturity dates. It drives me crazy. I don't understand why anybody buys these things. There are much better options out there. And sometimes we can do this transfer at no cost to the account holder. Should you get in touch with avoidprobate.ca? Anybody who has non-registered accounts at the bank needs to look into the services we provide at avoidprobate.ca because, by definition, you can't put a beneficiary on a non-registered account at the bank. You can put a beneficiary on a non-registered account at an insurance company. The rules are different. I felt that the banks thought I was a thief, but Jason made me feel so much better. I know we've done the right thing. Call us at avoidprobate.ca on the toll-free number, but call us before your mom or dad passes away. That's when we can help you. Have the conversation with your parents and avoid probate like Marilyn did with avoidprobate.ca. Call 1-844-667-7628. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back. You're listening to the Avoid Probate Show. I'm Ted Walshen along with Jason Laidler from Avoid Probate. And as usual, the information provided in this program is for general consumption only. It is not intended to provide particular legal or investment advice. Each situation is different, so if you have legal or investment questions, you should speak with a licensed expert. And, of course, that means you can contact Jason. Email is info at avoidprobate.ca or toll-free 1-844-667-7628, Our special guest today is John Natali. He is the head of tax retirement and estate planning for Manual Life Investment Management here in Canada. Okay, thanks, Ted. John, before the break, um, you know, we were doing some broad strokes and, and uh, talking about the advantage of seg funds. Let's let's dive a little deeper and, and talk about, um, you know, the beneficiary designations in particular. 
you mentioned something to me that caught me off guard um, off the air there about actually being able to name the estate as a beneficiary, but if it's within a certain maximum dollar amount, Manulife will not require that money to be probated. Can we talk about that? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Absolutely. So Manulife's current policy, so I have to say that because you never know our policy could change. Sure. Our current policy is that if the estate is named as the beneficiary and the death benefit amount payable to the estate is less than 250000 or a quarter of a million dollars, we won't request probate. Even though we're talking all the time here about you know not naming the estate, having this having the assets skip going through the estate, there can be good reasons to name the estate. We should talk about that too. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and, and this is a very important planning point. Yes, um, I think when you're looking at someone's estate plan or your own estate plan, one of the things you should be doing is is estimating the potential tax liability at death. Because remember, in Canada, when you pass away, you're deemed to have sold all of your assets, both non-reg and RSP and RIF and so forth. Now, there are some provisions that allow you to roll over assets on a tax-deferred basis, for example, to a spouse or common-law partner. Mm-hmm. But if you don't or are not able to take advantage of those, those tax deferrals, then what happens is you have a huge or, or potentially a, a big tax hit in your estate or your terminal return. So you want to have assets in your estate to be able to pay that tax. You want to be able to arm your executor with liquidity to be able to pay that tax because otherwise um, CRA is not going to forget about an outstanding tax (laughs) debt. As you know, they're a dog with a bone and and they will go after your beneficiaries. So you're not doing your executors or beneficiaries any favors if you don't plan for that tax liability. So having planning for the tax amount and then making sure there's enough assets in the estate to pay that tax amount I personally think is good planning. It sounds like it's a no-brainer. It's got to be good planning because, like you say, there have to have been uh, cases where, you know, beneficiaries got the knock on the door from CRA or something like that saying, guess what? You know, he thought it was all, like, sweet and lollipops and rainbows here because you didn't have to deal with probate, but there's a tax bill to pay. 100%. And there are specific provisions in the Income Tax Act. I don't want to put your listeners to sleep by quoting them. but uh, there <laughs> I, are spe- I, do it, I do it every week. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, there are specific provisions in the Income Tax Act that the CRA can use for their benefit to have a legal basis to go after the beneficiaries, particularly with registered assets with RSPs and RIFs. So, uh, and, and as well, keep in mind that having assets, some assets go through your estate may also be a way of equalizing the estate mm-hmm. as well, too. So it can, it can also be a tool for that. But the tax liability is a big one. Yeah, and I was just, I think it's amazing that, um, you know, it, we can actually pay out to the estate in this case and not have it probated. Because like you say, Manulife's not going to ask. Right. The one thing to keep in mind is if someone else asks for your will to be probated, so another financial institution, for example, then you would have to list the money that was paid out from the Manulife Psych Fund as well as any other asset that goes through your state. But Manulife, as long as the amount is less than $250,000, we won't request a probate will. So if that's the only asset that's going through your state, you could avoid probate. Don't the insurance companies sometimes get some flack because they're not withholding tax on those registered accounts? So the registered account just pays out to the named beneficiary and the insurance company, like in this case Manulife, just turns a blind eye to any potential tax problems. Well, I, uh, right? I I might not use the term blind eye, Jason, but... <laughs> <laughs> that was my term, not yeah, John's yeah, yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we fully comply with all tax rules in case the CRA is listening, but there is a legal basis for our position, and you raise an excellent point. So, for example, let me, let me clarify. For non-registered assets, we are legally justified, and it's one of the benefits, for us to pay the death benefit to the beneficiary without withholding tax. 
For non-registered. For non-registered yeah, funds. I get it. Yeah, and for registered funds, it depends, it depends on the situation, but oftentimes the death benefit is also paid without withholding tax. So for the non-reg, that's a pretty significant benefit. The beneficiary gets the funds very quickly and without withholding tax on the lump sum. So you provide them with quick and significant liquidity. Yeah. Yeah, just if I'm not wrong, I think it was just last week, Ted, when we were talking about that death claim that we just uh, processed and how fast the turnaround was. Yeah, yeah. It was two weeks. Two weeks. Compared to, I don't know, what's uh, the probate queue look like these days, John? Ten, I say 10 months. I just throw out 10 months and yeah, give no, or take. Uh, you know, it depends on your jurisdiction, but yes. definitely COVID hasn't helped. Right. Um, so it could be, you know, best case scenario, maybe three months I've heard, but I think you're usually looking at six to nine months. And and if it's if it's contested at yeah. all, there's any type of Forget complication, it. you're easily over a year. And that's definitely one of the significant advantages, I think, is being able to, and I use two weeks as well, Jason, actually. So once we received uh, all the documentation, like the death claim certificate mm-hmm. and so forth, we aim for within two weeks of paying a death benefit to the beneficiary as, as opposed to the months or years that we're talking about. You've got a small army of staff there at Manulife <laughs> that uh, does this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, no, and it's a big deal. And, and one yeah. of the things, if, 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 I don't, if you don't mind me going down a little bit of a tangent yeah. real quick, is that what I ask uh, clients or advisors sometimes is where the money currently resides. What would happen on your death? And oftentimes when it comes to stocks or mutual funds, the assets are either frozen or liquidated cash, but I would say it's about two-thirds, one-third, the response I get that they're frozen um, until probate is received. So if you think about the market volatility that we've just gone through the yep. last few months, yep. you could have beneficiaries that are waiting to receive their funds, yep. seeing the value going up and down. Losing and their minds. Losing their minds, as opposed to that money being paid to them within two weeks, and then they can use the funds for whatever is in their best interest. Yep. Pay down debt, reinvest it. Um, it's also a great way to provide liquidity to the executor because the bills of the deceased don't stop. The mortgage payments, the car payments, and what happens is oftentimes is executors have to use their own personal funds to pay the estate expenses, and then they get reimbursed. So here you remove a huge stressor from an executor by providing them some liquidity. I've said it um, many times, you do not want to be an executor in Ontario if you can help it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think, um, David Chilton. We all know David yeah, Chilton, I know David author Chilton. of The Wealth of Barber. Yeah. He's, uh, if, if he doesn't mind me saying this, he has a great quote. He says, I'll do anything for my friends but two things. I won't help them move because I'm too old and I won't be their executor because I'm too smart. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it can be an honor, but it can also be a huge burden. And, and, and you could have a whole separate conversation about that. Yeah. But that's one of the nice things about surrogate funds as well, too. By having assets flow outside of the estate, yeah. you have less assets, less work, less risk. For executors, because executors, if they mess up, there are certain situations where they could be personally liable. Mm-hmm. So it's another significant benefit in addition to the, you know, the cost savings, the quick death benefit payout and so forth. And that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, the, the cost savings is significant and, and the, the reduced stress. I mentioned uh, there is executor insurance available out there. I don't offer it. I'm not I'm not licensed to sell it. I don't want to sell it. But I just mentioned it as a public service that, and if maybe you know something about this, but I understand that a lot of new wills are building that in to, uh, it's being built into the will that the, my executor is entitled to whatever, $5,000 worth of um, executor insurance to be paid out of the estate. Yeah, it's definitely becoming a more popular feature. Yeah. Um, so I would agree with you. And uh, I, I would I would, I would would definitely encourage people to consider it or think about it for sure. 
So you're not the guy that you want uh, the listeners to be calling up for uh, SegFund questions, right? Let's um, make a comment on, on how you want to structure this and what you think the best path or the solution is for, for the listeners who want more information. Right. Well, that's why, Jason, intend this, this is such a great forum because I can reach so many people. But yeah, yeah. you're right. I'm only one person. <laughs> mm-hmm. So well, what, what I would encourage uh, clients or listeners who are interested in learning more about segregated funds is to go through their financial advisor. We definitely support and believe in the value of advice. And there's you know lots of statistics to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they have an advisor, what I would ask is their advisor to reach out to their mini life investment management wholesaler or sales rep. And if they don't have a financial advisor, I would encourage uh, individuals to definitely to, uh, to to speak to a financial advisor. Well, we know that not all advisors are created equal, right? Because you need an insurance license as opposed to just being on the MFDA side at the Correct. bank, which is usually the case. So, okay, well, there you go, listeners. If you're looking for more information, give us a call. Ted's giving you the number and the email address, and I think you'll probably hear that one more time before before we call it a day. But so much to talk about, John. I, you're gonna, We're going to do things a little different this week. We are going to do a mailbag, uh-huh. but I'm not doing the mailbag. No. John's doing that. The hired help's doing the mailbag today. The hired help. <laughs> That's right. And he's got like, amazing mailbag stories that I can't wait to hear. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll uh, jump into the mailbag. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back. This is the Avoid Probate Show with Ted Walsh and Jason Laidler. You can get a hold of Jason. Email is info at avoidprobate.ca or you can call toll-free 1-844-667-7628 and his mom will answer the phone. Yep. So, so be very nice. Hi, Mom. Her. And then we'll get everything straightened out to pass on the message to Jason. Jason, we'll get back to you just like that. Just like that. And uh, it was kind of a different twist to the show this week because as opposed to Jason or I or both of us doing the mailbag, we've turned the mailbag over to our guest this week, who is the head of tax retirement and estate planning at Manulife Investment Management in Canada. He is John Natalie. And you got a few stories uh, to share, don't you, John? I do. I do. We call them the case studies and we say, you you don't want to be a case study. (laughs) And uh, and that's why it's um and that's why it's good to be uh you know to have get professional advice. So the first one is it's a Nova Scotia case actually, but uh, Nova Scotia does actually have the highest probate fees, a little bit higher than Ontario. But this is this could be your neighbor, this could be your sibling, it could be uh, your kid's uh, coach. It's just an everyday occurrence that I thought was really relevant. So Tim and Diane Taylor live in Nova Scotia. This is public; it's on a CBC website. And uh, unfortunately, one day uh, Tim woke up feeling uh, quite ill. Uh, they rushed him to the hospital to merge, and he was diagno- diagnosed with stage four cancer, and it had spread everywhere. And tragically, within three weeks, Tim passed away. So Tim left a, a wife, Diane, and a 13-year-old daughter. Now, they had a will, and Tim was a banker, 50 years old, banker, so financially astute. They had a will, and their will said, Tim and Diane said, you know, everything goes to you, the survivor of them, right? right? So, and they had a general revocation clause that said we revoke all other beneficiary designations. Well, when they realized, what Diane realized afterwards in going through Tim's papers is that Tim had an RSP, but he had set the RSP up before meeting Diane, and he had named his mom as beneficiary. So I guess that was his closest family member. And they never received a notification or realized that they had needed to update that beneficiary designation to Diane. Mm. That RSP was probably the most significant retirement asset that they had. It was worth about $685,000. So now Diane 
is concerned about this RSP beneficiary designation. She's hoping that the will will trump that RSP beneficiary designation. She meets with the lawyer and the lawyer says, no case law in Nova Scotia suggests that it doesn't. You need to actually specify the specific RSP plan in the will. You can't just have a general clause. And surprisingly, to me anyway, mother-in-law refuses to renounce the beneficiary designation. Really? Yeah. This could have easily been solved really? if mother-in-law or Tim's mom, Diane's mother-in-law, had renounced the beneficiary designation, it would have gone through the estate and you would have paid probate fees of 11000 which isn't good, but at least it would have gone to Diane and she could have rolled it over to her RSP on a tax-deferred basis. Yeah. But for whatever reason, uh, Tim's mom refused to do that. And here's the catch, or here's the rub. $685,000 would go to Tim's mom. Guess who pays the tax? No, not the wife. The wife, because she's the beneficiary of the estate. So you know how we were talking earlier about how planning for tax liability? Yeah. Wow. So she would have about a $350,000 tax bill to pay, which would have almost bankrupted the estate. Uh, so anyway, they were able to have some negotiations with the mother-in-law. The mother-in-law agreed to take effectively the after-tax cost of the RSP, so about just over $300,000. So she ate the tax. Effectively. Yeah. And what happened is she renounced, so it did go through the estate yeah. after. They paid probate fees, but Diane was able to roll it over to her RSP. Tim did have another life insurance policy of about 300000 That was used. She, so Diane transferred that to the mother-in-law. But I think it just shows you the power of planning, how significant it is to plan. shows you the significance of updating your beneficiary designations. Mm-hmm. I often call, and other people call, beneficiary designations will substitutes, right? Because they're that powerful. Right. Make sure you update your beneficiary designations. Maybe somebody's passed away. Maybe you've, uh, someone's been born. Someone got married. Right. Someone got divorced. So th- and this is where it's, it's so important to review those plans, talk to your financial advisor. And just as another kind of catch that what a lot of people don't realize is if you get divorced or separated it does not automatically revoke your beneficiary designation in Ontario so you need to even if you have a separation agreement or divorce judgment you need to update those beneficiary designations. Isn't that being reviewed? Isn't there a bill that is going to change that and that so that the divorce does uh, revoke? No, I, Jason, not that I'm aware of. I think what you might be talking about is there was legislation that just passed the beginning of this year about mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah. Marriage. So marriage in Ontario before January 1st of this year, uh, of this year marriage revoked the will. Yes. Unless the will had wording that specifically contemplated the marriage. Right, yeah. Perfect. As of January 1st now, that is no longer the law in Ontario. So marriage no longer revokes a will. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Marriage no longer revokes. Okay, I had but, it backwards. But no, but to your point, though, they also had some other provisions there that dealt with separated spouses. So now separated spouses, and they have a, a it's specifically defined in the legislation, are treated the same as um, divorce. So, for example, um, in your will, yeah. if, um, if you're divorced, any gifts to your divorced spouse are no longer valid. If you name your divorced spouse as executor, they're no longer valid. If you die intestate, um, your divorced spouse is no longer considered a spouse for intestacy rules. If you meet the definition of a separated spouse, you'll be treated the same as divorced now as well. Too. So yeah. if you have an insurance policy that you, um, you're leaving whatever amounts of money that you have to your wife, but in the meantime, you and your wife get divorced, but you don't bother changing the designation, she's still going to get it. There's a very good likelihood. What will happen probably, Ted, is there'll probably be a lawsuit from the deceased family, and then it becomes a question of evidence. What was, what was the deceased's intention? But yeah, the starting position will be, well, you have the ex-spouse named as beneficiary. That might have been the deceased's intention, mm-hmm. despite the divorce judgment. Either way, it's a no-win, mm-hmm. right? Because you can have litigation. So absolutely, divorce or separation right away should be reviewing beneficiary designations. Yeah, for sure.
You've got one other story? We're going to cram, yeah, in, cram yeah, in one more Absolutely. I want to talk about something called, what we, like I mentioned before, the annuity settlement option. And, it, and it's a great option or alternative to a trust. Now, trust can be powerful estate planning tools, especially when you want to control from the grave. Um, the downside with trust is cost. You need usually a lawyer to draft a trust document. You have to find trustees. You may have to pay trustee fees. And as well, legislation is being introduced, going to be effective this year, that Almost all trusts now will have to file a trust return. Before, if you had no income in your trust, you wouldn't have to file a trust return. Mm. Um, so it's a lot more compliance costs. And as well, on the trust return, you're going to have to indicate uh, the names, the date of births, the addresses, the sin of all the beneficiaries, the set law, the trustees. So there's a lot more disclosure, kind of like the principal residence exemption, where the principal residence exemption rules didn't change but from a tax perspective, but the disclosure requirements yeah. increased. Right. Um, so this is a nice free alternative. It's not a product per se. What we've done is we've just slightly modified the beneficiary designation on a life insurance product like a SEG fund or an insurance company, GIA. So instead of the death benefit being paid on a lump sum to your beneficiary, if for whatever reason you have a client or, or you, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Listener, uh, have beneficiaries, you want to receive the money, but you don't want them to get to a lump sum. Maybe they're just not great with money for whatever reason. On the beneficiary form, you can designate in just a couple boxes, you know, and you can separate or differentiate between two kids. So if you have one kid who's really good with money and another kid who's not, and let's assume they're adults, you can say, well, 50% to child A who's really good with money, and you tick off a little box called lump sum. And then 50% to child B, but you tick off another box, it says installment. And on the exact same form, you choose the type of annuity you want. And because it's a beneficiary form, Mm -hmm. you can change your mind at any point in time. So, Ted, we were talking about that divorce example before changing the beneficiary designation. Well, this is just a beneficiary. So, let's say five years pass and child B, who becomes much more responsible with money, and you want to give them a lump sum, or you want to give part of it as a lump sum, you just simply change the form. Mm -hmm. So it's a no-cost alternative, extremely flexible. And, and, and the real-life case study that was the impetus for us creating this, we had a lady reach out to us and said, I want to buy a segregated fund with you guys, but I have one condition. I don't want my two daughters to get the death benefit in the form of a lump sum. And we said, okay, well, let's look into it. And we did our due diligence and so forth and created this form and so forth many years ago. The one interesting note was the lady was in her 80s and her two kids were in her 50s, and she still didn't <laughs> trust them to get a lump sum. <laughs> That's funny. Well, well, well I, I could see if you had, um, you know, one child who's 24 years old and the other one is 17 years old. And you're thinking, well, do I, do I want to give a 17-year-old $250,000? And in many cases, the answer is no. Well, we did, a, we did a survey, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but we did a survey for uh, Canadians. And one of the top concerns for Canadians is how their beneficiaries are going to handle the money, especially if it's a significant amount. And you think about people right now, real estate, yep. just selling their home is, is generating a significant... Million dollars. Yeah, million dollars that they're going to pass on. And as well, what will their kids do with their money? And will there any, be anything left for their grandkids? That was yeah. a, a very popular concern with the individuals as well, too. And you may have individuals, too, maybe who suffer through uh, you know mental health issues or substance abuse issues, yeah. or for whatever yeah. reason, they may yeah. be concerned about them getting a lump sum. Or they're just bad with money in terms of, well, I think this is a good idea. I'm going to invest in this. And I mean, how many people have won 50, 60, 70 million dollars in lotteries and a year and a half later, they're broke. Bang on. The curse of the lottery? Yep. I I think I can handle that curse. (laughs) I'd like to give it a try. We don't even have to talk about how many uh, professional athletes have. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. The word I was going to use, I can't use. Wasted money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Read between the lines. Listeners. Thank you very Read much. Read between the lines. Yes, yes. 
John, we got to run, man. Thank you so much. We could talk about this for uh, hours. Time flies. Uh, I say that every Sunday, but uh, no, you brought a wealth of information and a, and a nice uh, perspective from Manulife, and I'm happy about that because that's what we want to do. We're trying to maintain some sort of independence here in the industry and then bring as much information to the listeners mm-hmm. from all directions as we can. So you certainly contributed to that. Hope you will join us uh, as a guest again uh, sometime in the future. We'd love to have you back. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure, and uh, yeah, happy to be back. Great. Okay, we're going to take uh, another quick break, and then we'll just wrap it up for another week. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. <laughs> Good afternoon, friends. We are gathered here to remember... Insert your name. And we're heartbroken because... Insert your name. ...did not avoid probate. So the loved ones of... Insert your name. ...have to wait a long time for what rightfully is theirs. I see I've made you cry. Recent changes in law make probate slower, more complicated, and more expensive. Don't make it harder for your loved ones. Avoid probate.ca. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back. This is the Avoid Probate Show with Ted Wallace and Jason Laidler. And this is going to wrap it up for us. Our special guest this week, John Natali, who is the head of tax retirement and estate planning, Manulife Investment Management Canada. We have to have John come back for sure because... Yeah. A lot more stuff we can talk to him about. Yeah, he was saying, you know, they went fast and he barely got into his notes. So, well, that's what happens when you're, um, you know, the top dog at man, one of the biggest insurance companies in the country. Mm. You can, uh, you're going to have a few stories to share. And um, Learn something new every week. Well, that's the goal, I guess, eh? That is the goal. Well, that's I, why we, uh, one of the reasons, and we've mentioned this many times, is one of the reasons why we ask people to uh, to call in yes. and to write in. Is to give, us what your, 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 give us your questions, share your scenario with us, because there's a good chance that your question is being asked, at least in the minds of hundreds and th- thousands of other people at yep. the same time. That's and, right. And many people go through the same kind of situation, very similar situation, so we can uh, help lots of people uh, at the same time. So yeah, you can, you call can, us and tell us what's going on so we can we can turn your story into a case study as john would we can help it. you while you help the rest of the listeners simultaneously yeah okay well hopefully um that happened this week i'd like to think it did i know it uh, was good for me i always learn something when we have a guest in the studio and uh, we'll hopefully have another guest uh, before too long but anyway it's we're out of time for this week thanks again to the listeners for joining us Thanks to Kelly for uh, working her magic behind the glass, as usual. Thanks to Ted Walshen for his decades of radio excellence. And once again, uh, thanks to our guests and thanks to you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You've been listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.